listening to The Misfit Lightworker with Doug and Jessica. Enjoy the show. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Misfit Lightworker podcast with Doug and Jessica. We're happy to be here with you today. How you doing, babe? I'm great. How are you? Great. You ready to do some talking? I think so. Okay. Uh, what's on the slate today? Um, well, I thought we would talk about a few different things. I actually have like four different topics that could potentially be <laughs> be aspects of the podcast, but I don't really know. And then we're going to answer a question and kind of have a discussion um, a question that a friend of ours sent us for a topic to discuss. Which, as you know, is an option for this podcast. You're it welcome to send in um, questions, thoughts, things that you would like to have addressed. Um, a nice little partnership between the listeners and the broadcasters. Yes. Which is us. <laughs> um, okay, well, why don't you get started? Okay. <laughs> We should probably plan this better. I should like pretend that I'm asking you like a question <laughs> and then you talk. That's okay. One, two, three, go. Hmm. Um, well, maybe I can tell you a few of the things that are on my mind and then you can decide what you think we should talk about. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. So I kind of went into like a blank space for about a week and a half, which is why we haven't really recorded anything, um, which is necessary. I mean, that's sometimes... Uh, for all of us, we kind of have to pause and and not know what to talk about, right? Well, we've also secretly been busy working on something, but right. we're not going to. No, we're not going to talk yet. about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and and I just kind of had this like lull in my like uh, inspiration, I guess you would say, probably because there's been other things pulling at my energy, and I've been really busy. Um, but also there's just times, and I guess I can just address this as I'm talking about it. Um, I have a lot of people who come see me. Um, sometimes, you know, somebody will be coming regularly for sessions and then they just kind of drop off for a while. And then there will be a little bit of backwards movement during the drop off period. And then when they come back, they remember that it really helps them to keep, you know, in check and in touch with themselves and um, manifesting in the life they want and then they'll kind of kick themselves because they dropped off for a while and what I you know I'm kind of using this in regards to my own hiatus wanting to record it's really easy to judge ourselves when we get off the path we're on and I think it's whether it's you know exercise diet spirituality um, even just you know projects we're working on and I think one of the most detrimental things we can do is judge ourselves in that time. Um, you'll hear me say this a lot, like we'll have an emotion and then we judge it or we have an experience and we judge it, you know, and, and then you're just compounding whatever negative emotions you have with that judgment. Um, so what I like to share is that those moments where, you know, you kind of lose track of whatever path you're on, there's usually information that's gained in that time period. It's maybe a necessary time of darkness or a necessary time of neglecting the things that matter most to you only because in that sort of flatline space or whatever, you might have some things that show up that aren't fun or you know things that become problematic that you kind of had in check for a while. But that's usually because there was another piece that you were meant to get. So for me, like, you know, you can't always be in that super optimistic space because there's information in the other parts. And it's not always easy. I love that you're nodding, babe, but you, right. No, I just, I wanted to say, I think we talked about this a little last week. It's nice to, to be able to try to apply some of the things that you've been working on. It's also sometimes you learn a lot from just making mistakes. So it was like a great learning experience. Yeah. Um, is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, absolutely what you're saying is true. But I think like what happens is, you know, we can get into like a really good pattern. So, you know, like I was saying, if, if somebody comes to me regularly for a while, they really start to build momentum with their uh, self-awareness, um, catching negative thinking, uh, learning how to uh, keep their energy 
towards themselves and um, feel empowered. And then it's really easy for us to, for all of us to get distracted by things that are external um, or just, you know, I, I mean, I know for myself, one of the biggest things for, you know, since I was pregnant with Ruby 16 years ago, I started yoga. And since then, I will have, you know, huge streaks where I'm super passionate about it. And, and I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I see that look on your face. We're not going to do that right now. Um, it's so fun, though. I know. Um, and then I just won't I won't connect with it for a while. And it will, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, God, why am I not doing yoga? And it's like, well, there was something else I needed to do. Stop. Don't. Just we can't do that. Um, so, and actually, I was just talking to, oh, am I a little too loud? A little bit. Got a little excited. Okay. Got a little yeah, excited. Yeah, charged up. Um, I was just talking to one of my friends who is, I mean, how would you describe him? He's an avid yogi. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely an avid yogi, <laughs> amongst other things. Right. But when, when, you know, asking, you did? I did. Um, when asking someone who you think is just probably like super into their practice every minute of it, I said, you know, do you ever feel disconnected? And he answered yes. And what a great thing to hear. And I think that's kind of what I'm sharing as well is that, you know, I might have all this information and wisdom and experience, but I can drop off and get lost in my ego or freaked out by fear or whatever. And then, you know, it's just a matter of pulling yourself back and remembering what works for you. So the less we judge, the, the faster we will pull ourselves out. And um, so this was all about me not really having anything to talk about for the past week and a half, um, when sometimes I feel like I can't, like I could probably do a podcast all day long because I have so much shit to say. Um, and so then I'll find myself being like, oh, my God, like I need to record another podcast. And I just feel sort of flatlined and disconnected. And and then I just have to let it go and know that it'll show up when it's time. Um, and I don't even know if it's time today, but we're doing it anyway. Well, the same thing with music. There's times when I'm like, I'm so grateful to be able to write my own music and I really in, enjoy it. It's very cathartic and therapeutic and necessary on a lot of levels but there are just certain days where i'll just sit down and start playing and then 15 minutes later i'm like i just shut the keyboard off because i can't even stand the sound of my own voice you know or, or right. the chord progression that i wrote just seems so ridiculous but it really makes me appreciate it like when i when i am ready for it and i go back and and start playing again i'm like oh that's this feels great but there's definitely times when you just need a break yeah well and it's yeah. funny too because i actually it was on that same topic of yoga it was like three weeks ago probably I think I even said to you I was like man I just like cannot get into it I would put my mat down and think I was gonna have fun and then I just kind of like I'm just like going through the motions and and then my back got totally jacked remember like I couldn't was it your back it was my back and I I couldn't basically even move at all like rolling over in bed was challenging and 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 then within five days of my back being like that I was like oh my god I just wish I could do yoga and it the back actually my back being so <laughs> fucked up had me excited to practice again and that's another thing like you know and actually that's one of the things that Kelly was talking about um one of the things I've always discussed is finding the love in everything seeing seeing the lesson and the message and everything so there was my back and it was really causing me problems and I hadn't had I don't think I've ever had back pain that terribly ever in my life and then the first thing I did was go well I shouldn't say no I'm lying not the first thing I did it probably took me about three days to go okay why is this here what is it trying to tell me and one of the first things I got out of it was, oh, I'm actually starting to miss yoga again, which means that as soon as my back feels better, I'm going to be super into practicing. And that's actually exactly what happened. But then also, the body is a map. The body is a messenger. So I knew I could feel that all the sort of, you know, physiological things that could be done, I gotten adjusted. I did, you know, heat, ice, um, valerian hops. <laughs> what else? stim i had the traeger sessions and those were actually the things that kind of pushed me over to the other side but 
um, you know, structurally and any sort of muscle manipulation, nothing was giving me relief. So I knew it was there was an energetic component taking place. I knew that some deep healing was necessary. And then once I had two Traeger sessions, um, huge emotional releases showed up. Deep, deep stuff that um, I knew. I could feel it. I even, you know, the night before my friend came to work on me, I said to him, um, I'm probably going to be ugly crying tomorrow because I knew it was going to be intense. Um, And that's, again, another thing. When there's something going on in life, and whether it's a health thing, a physical thing, or an emotional thing, a work thing, you know, the struggle continues if we forget to say, what is the lesson? And that's going to be something you also hear me say a lot. You know, just once you once you tap in and you go, okay, oh my gosh, this feels like relentless and I can't take it anymore. And then you can go, oh, like you hear yourself be like, I can't take this anymore. Oh, have I asked, what is the lesson in this yet? And that's immediately going to pull you off the hamster wheel and into a higher perspective. And then you can start to really listen and go within and see whatever the experience or the ailment or whatever it is, is there to teach you. Same with people. When you encounter people that trigger you or, you know, bring up your stuff, it's they're just doing their job, essentially. And we can have a whole conversation about that, too. (laughs) We can talk about that now. Like have a podcast and talk about issues? You think we should do that? Yeah. Like do like a podcast and talk about shit? Yeah. Like important shit? Like let me me turn the mic on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but let me, I don't want to, I don't want to derail this at all. Yeah. So what I was talking about when I, when I sit down at the keyboard and like my intention is to like, I I have like a couple hours and, you know, I have to constantly be practicing and trying to get better. Well, maybe you said I don't always have to be doing that, but there is definitely that kind of thing. You have that drive that feels that you need to. I want to be better than I am. But there's times when I, you know, I'm just not feeling that. But what I, what I try to do is not like, I'm looking to be in the flow. Yeah. You just sit down and, and you could just sit there for hours and hours and hours. But then there's times when that's not there. So a, a strategy that I learned was to just try to work on different things that are connected to it. So maybe I'm not necessarily working on my piano skills, but but maybe I'm just in that mindset for like that sort of rote, really mechanical stuff. Maybe I need to be a little bit more creative at the time. So I'll try to work on some lyrics that are older or try some organizational stuff or come to the, you know, do some recording stuff or something like that. So always try to keep nibbling away without necessarily doing what I want to be doing at the time. So I'm like more listening to myself. Sure. Is there a a relative aspect of that for like your type of work? Totally. Yeah. I mean, listening, what you just said is is the biggest thing, listening to yourself. Um, And that, you know, this is perfect babe you're just like amazing with these segues and not even realizing it make the segue noise what's the segue noise (laughs) is that it no i didn't come up with one i forgot about that i gotta put that in my segue noise segue noise make it be like a fart noise no that would be funny though or like a burp like the elf burp i could have used it last night oh dear god that's right that was something special um, <laughs> um welcome to our world okay so what you just said listening to yourself oh my god like i mean that can branch off into so many different things because what were you just gonna say well i'm just saying like being in the flow is not always using your brain to think where you need to be in the flow no thinking is actually like the polar opposite really right. of what we want to be right. doing and that's something that you know I, i'm sure people would debate me on but like the mind is gonna is gonna say to you what you should be doing, right? Or what will please other people, like all that stuff, right? So, okay, so what I want to do is use what you just said about listening to yourself. So same thing with um, everything in life, and this is something that is not encouraged by our society. It's not encouraged by mainstream media. There is uh, a million ways to be distracted and um and that, that is what I would like to think of as a setup because the more you go within, the more quiet you are, the less uh, outside stimulus you have. Probably my chapstick, babe. Um, 
the less uh, externals that come in and, and that pull you away from yourself, the more empowered you will be, the, the louder your intuition will be. Um, so that first step in saying, okay, like, what are, what are some of the things that take me out of my center? What are some of the things that distract me? Who pulls on me more than other people? Because that's another thing. I mean, there are, there are really like you can be really good at setting boundaries in one area of your life, but then you can not be good at setting boundaries in another area of your life. And this was why I said this is a great segue because one of the main topics that's been on my mind and then it kind of left my head and then it came back yesterday um, is unconditional love and boundaries. And I think that you know, people want to practice unconditional love, but they're confused about what that means. And then boundaries can also turn into walls rather than just like honoring your space. So this is a, one of my favorite things to talk about, um, ultimately, because all of these things lead to you being a more empowered, centered, whole being connected to your truth, connected to your higher self, your intuition, and being able to truly listen and trust the message you get and that's the one of the things that trips most people up is you know let's say and I like to just kind of use mundane things because I think it's really relatable you know there can be a party you're invited to and like that part of you wants to go right and then there's another part of you that doesn't want to go and then you can check in well what part of me wants to go is it the part of me that feels like i have to go because if i don't go i'm not going to be invited to any more parties um you know are people going to be pissed that i wasn't there or or is it genuinely that you want to go because you're excited to go and it's important to start gaining that clarity with those simple things because that leads you to a deeper connection to your intuition. But if you just kind of go into it with just, well, I should go and you don't even realize you're saying should, I mean, that is always a red flag word. If you hear yourself say should, check in every time. So, and then what are the reasons that you don't want to go? Um, you know, it could be, I just really feel like I need to be alone. It's been a busy week. And then your mind will go, yeah, but you should really go because then you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And then, but your other part of you is going, but I'm really tired and it's going to zap me and I'm not going to have fun. And I just want to be at home. Um, you know, which one is priority for you? Is it going to be what's best for you or what you think other people want you to be doing or the fear of, you know, fear of missing out, right? Um, so, and there's so many examples of that in life. Uh, when we don't check in, we kind of just blindly just kind of, or maybe not blindly is the word, we just kind of go on autopilot, right? I'm invited to this, so I go to this. But what if there's something greater that happens just in the quiet of your own space, and you keep ignoring that pull to be with yourself, to take the time you need. And eventually, and I know this is like my biggest thing is um, if I'm not listening to what I need, I will end up not feeling well. And then it's like my body sort of takes me, you know, down for the count is what I feel like intentionally. So I shut down. So I go within. Um, so listening to yourself in every area of life is one of the best practices and that's why I always call it like the check-in and one of the first things I will always suggest is just put your hand on your heart because your hand on your heart pulls your energy away from your head so we tend to live up in our head so put your energy or put your hand on your heart feel and intentionally move your energy to that space and then just see what shows up See what you're feeling. I mean, how often do people actually stop and be like, what am I feeling right now? You know, what am I really feeling? And a lot of times I, it's, you know, the, the, one of the best intuitive games to play is that one where, you know, if I say cat, you say dog, I say bird, you say house. Like, what are you feeling right now? What's the first word that comes into your head? Like, what is the, you know, so if I go like, what am I feeling right now? Um, exhaustion. Okay, well, where is this exhaust exhaustion coming from? You know, and then so keep following it. And essentially, that's kind of how I, I do the work I do is I'm, I'm checking in and listening. And I'm checking in and listening for another person, which is just something that I developed over time, this ability to do this. And then if I get a piece of information, I stay with the information. And it always kind of feels like go underneath it. So that's a lot of times what I'll say to somebody. Okay, you feel that. Let's go underneath that. What's underneath that? And we just kind of keep following. 
until you get to that deep core truth. And then a lot of times it, it, that's like what happened in that Traeger session. You know, I was just kind of allowing myself to be like, what am I feeling? And with each time I let myself say what I was feeling, I got to the next layer only to go, oh my God, it's this. And then it was just like, you know, I just kind of cracked open in the best possible way. Um, Hold on, I have to cough. (coughs) So listening to yourself, knowing what you need, and I feel like I did like a shitty job explaining that, but um, like using the party as an example. One of the things I always use is the phone. That's like the best exercise to see how much you don't listen to yourself phone rings you see who it is you go oh I don't feel like call or talking and then you hit hit answer people do it all the time and it's such an easy exercise right phone rings if you look down and you don't want to answer don't answer it's just like a practice run for like bigger picture things. And then you can take it, like I said, to the next level of, you know, a thing you were invited to. The other thing too is, um, (laughs) I give you permission. So years and years and years ago, I had a a client who came to me. This is just, I always say just, but I, I don't think I ever was just doing body work, but seemingly I was just doing body work. And she was the first client that like followed me from one place and then to my home. And I had been working on her for probably three, four years. Her neck and upper back were always in so much pain. I mean, it was like cement. And one day in conversation, and I really don't know how it it took so long to, to get this conversation going, but And maybe it wasn't as long as I'm feeling like it was. Time is a funny thing. But she shared with me that she had never said a curse word in her life because she was raised very religious and was told that would be like something that would make her go to hell. And me with my mouth was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, this is why your neck and back is so disastrous. I mean, it's all like held in your neck and back. And so I just like ran over and grabbed like a piece of my daughter's craft paper. And I wrote, this is a free pass to say or do whatever you need to do whenever you need to say or do it. Right. And she ended up keeping it in her wallet for years. And, um, she would, you know, she would, you know, like lots of people kind of, you know, fall off track, like I said earlier. And she came back like maybe a year later, hadn't seen her in a while and um, showed me it in her wallet. And then in conversation, as we were talking, she was like, and that's bullshit. And I'm so pissed about this. And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) you're just finally letting it loose. And she felt better. And it was like she just needed somebody to tell her it was okay that it was okay to to say fuck or shit or whatever. And I mean, can you imagine like all the times that like she wanted to express that and then like and like clenched it in her body instead? And how in the world could that be something that would be like a positive thing? Um, so anyway, that re- reminded me of giving permission. Um, you can change your mind. If you say that you're going to do something and then you decide that doing that thing isn't for your highest good, you can say, I can't now. And I can't tell you how many people say, well, you know, I said that I would, so I should. And it's like, but if it's going to be detrimental to your well-being in whatever facet, you can say no. You're allowed to change your mind. And it's, you know, it's a hard thing for all of us as humans because we we want guarantees, you know, we, we ha- you know, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. It's like these moments where you have to realize like nobody owes anybody anything. So if you told somebody, yes, you can do this and then you decide you can't, you're allowed to say no. And that again is like the same thing with the phone. Like you don't have to answer the phone. You don't have to talk to people because, you know, it might hurt their feelings or they might think this. Like honor you first. And what I always tell people is that as you do that, you're actually showing people that then they're allowed to do that for themselves. And that's like right there. That's just like a platform of like, okay, well, I remember this one time where you know, we had dinner plans and she couldn't do it. She changed her mind or whatever. And that makes me feel better about this next time when I'm going to need to do that. And, and then you have more and more people listening to themselves, 
which will lead you to a deeper connection to your intuition, which I think most people want. Most people want to feel like they have this strong, intuitive way of living and it gets, you know, um, buried under the ego. You have anything to say, babe? Not right now. Oh. Just letting you go. Okay. Um, so that's like boundaries. And I remember, did I talk about this already? My first... Um, boundary exercise I was I must have been 22 I think 22 or 23 and um, I had just moved into a new house with who would become my husband and um, we had moved right down the road from my mom like houses away and I had this entire house to unpack and set up and my mom asked me to watch my younger brothers for her that weekend so her and her husband could go to Atlantic City, I believe. And I said yes, begrudgingly, because I was looking around at a, a house full of boxes and all these things that I went. And I was super excited because it was an amazing house. And, you know, I just wanted to make a home. And I remember talking to my counselor and she was like, um, do you want to do it? And <laughs> I was like... No. And she was like, well, then call her and tell her you can't. And I like, I mean, I probably started like shaking and slightly peeing my pants at that point because my mom is not the easiest person to talk to or anything. So um, that'll be a different podcast. That'll be a different podcast. So I was scared out of my mind, shaking and really uncomfortable, but I did it. I picked up the phone and I said, mom, I don't think it's a good idea for me to watch the boys this weekend. I I have this whole house to unpack and I just really want to be able to focus on it. And was she annoyed and pissed? Yep. And did I survive? Yep. <laughs> and was it empowering? Fuck yeah. And it was like the it was like a icebreaker for me because that just kind of set the stage for me realizing like, yeah, I have to do what's best for me and people might not always like it. And that happens a lot. Just because people don't like it doesn't mean it's not what's best for them as well. And that's something that people really struggle with. Well, I know it's going to upset them. Okay, well, it's going to upset them. Good. Then they're triggered. So maybe they'll look at their shit. <laughs> they probably won't. <laughs> a good portion of the time, people aren't realizing, wow, that really triggered me. Why did this trigger me? Let me like see. But that's okay. It's okay if you upset people by honoring your truth. Um, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that, you know, you set the stage for some learning and they have the opportunity to learn or not, uh, in yourself included. So that was always like a, it stands out in my mind so much that, that moment when I, I said, no, I can't do this. And honestly, I mean, the hardest part about it was, you know, the love that I have for my brothers. Of course, you know, I wanted to be able to do it, but it was, Definitely an awareness of how often I didn't do what was best for me. I did basically what I thought would make other people like me, um, which is something I was going to tell you. I was thinking about this the other day. I smoked, I started smoking cigarettes because my mom and my sister were nicer to me when I was smoking. And I remember like sitting there and like literally having to like eat a potato chip and then take a drag of a cigarette because it tasted so nasty. And like, but I, and I, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, I hate this. It's so disgusting. But like, I was so happy to be like accepted that I continued to smoke, eventually became addicted and had to quit. And, um, you know, I look back on that and I think that's really sad, you know, like that I compromised something and, and really went against like everything in my body and my mind was like, this is not what you want to be doing, but I did it anyway to, to get them to like me. And then that, that segues me into, um, oh my God, I was on the phone with a friend. This is probably nine years ago. And I was worried that I had upset a client by something that took place in my personal life. It's kind of, I'm being convoluted because it's just not important, but 
I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if they're not coming to me anymore because of this thing that like had taken place in my life. And I was really upset about it because I really, you know, loved the the rapport I had with the client. And my friend was like, Jess, not everybody's going to like you. And like my chest got like super tight. And I was like, oh, my God. And it freaked me out at first. And then all of a sudden this like wave of relief washed over me. And I was like, you're right. Not everybody is going to like me. And there was so much freedom in that. And then no shit. The minute I hung up the phone with her, I had a CD on that I was listening to. And I can't remember what it was. But the woman said, it's none of our business what anybody else thinks of us. And it was like this sandwich, like boom, boom. My friend had said, Jess, not everybody's going to like you. And then I heard this woman say that. It's none of our business what anybody thinks of us. And it was like that moment of just absolute freedom where you were like, right. And then you, that took me into a whole other way of looking at things, which is how often do we operate and, and, and function in a way in hopes of people liking us and they could still not like us. So if you're always operating in a way where you're hoping that you're going to get the, the whole of everyone to like you and they can still talk shit about you after you walk away, why not just be true to yourself? Because at least you're going to be able to be good with you. And that's really, I think, the, the most empowering thing is to wake up every day and, and really like yourself, um, which isn't always easy. But these are good exercises to, to do so. Yeah, babe? I was just leaning back looking all cool on my reclining chair. You do look so slick. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay, and so then we'll just, I'll quickly talk about unconditional love, then we can talk about the question, right? Okay. Um, so the reason why I, I think of boundaries and unconditional love kind of hand in hand is um, unconditional love is something that I think people really confuse. Unconditional love is not, does not mean that you have to be okay with everything that everybody does and then you practice unconditional love if that's how you are. It's, it's that you can... You can love somebody and not be okay with certain things and or you can love somebody and decide that you don't want to be around them anymore. That doesn't mean you're taking your love away. And I think people get unconditional love all mixed up, you know, if if there's like something that arises uh between two people and then it's it's, you know, well that's like conditional. Well, no, it's not conditional. The love doesn't go away. It's just a matter of knowing your boundaries and knowing like, you know, there's many people in my life that I've had to make a conscious choice to just recognize every time I was around them, I didn't feel good. Um, it stressed me out or I, it gave me anxiety or I just felt like I wasn't being true to myself when I was engaging with these people. And it doesn't make me love them any less. The love doesn't go away. So it's that you're looking at yourself and going, okay, what's best for me? How do I need boundaries in my life with, you know, uh, keeping myself at my optimum like level? And if that means that there's somebody that's just not good for you, that does not mean that you're not loving them. You can actually, I think a lot of times we can practice unconditional love even better if we remove ourselves from certain situations. Um, even like when I when I left Facebook, I was just talking to my client about it today. I found myself, you know, having feelings of disdain for people I really, really like. And it just made me go, okay, like I don't want to feel this way about people. So I'm going to walk away from this thing that makes me feel these feelings inside. When I remove myself from it, then I can hold all this love in my heart for these people. And um I think it gets really askew in people's mind. Like if, if you're not showing up somehow, somehow that's a representation of the love you hold for someone. Um, and I think, it, you know, this has taken me a long time to get to because I did choose to walk away from my whole family. Um, and I, I can't ever prove to them how much I've thought of them and considered them and taken time to really understand um their behaviors and feelings and thoughts and the way they treated me that led me to walk away. And and the more that I just kept my distance and was okay with who I was, the more okay I became with them and who they are, rather than me forcing myself in an environment that did not 
foster growth for me, did not feel supportive for me. Um, I actually felt very criticized and judged and um, really not very loved a good portion of the time around these people that it was the best choice for me to walk away. And getting to that place where you can hold love for people and not need anything from them is huge. And I and I think that that's like a, a whole other kind of conversation of when you can just really love for the sake of loving, um, which is another workshop I've done, you know, just loving because it feels good, not loving because you want anything from anyone. Um, a lot of times we operate from a place of if I do this, then maybe I'll get this. And um, that's more of like an agenda kind of love rather than just loving because it feels good to love someone. Um, so when I think of unconditional love, I think of, okay, so maybe this person really hurt me and maybe this person uh, really upset me or this action caused me pain. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop loving this person or uh, taking my love away. It just means that I have to recognize what do I need to do in this situation so this no longer causes me pain, right? But people might take, you know, if, if that decision is um, speaking your truth or needing to take a hiatus from um, a connection of some sort, um, they might take it as you not loving them or not loving them unconditionally or, you know, how many times do we feel like people are doing things to us when really they're just doing what they need to do for themselves, which is huge, um, you know, how many times people are like, I can't believe he did this to me. And I've done it myself, said it myself. And then you have to be like, okay, well, did this person really do something to you? Or was this person just operating in their own sort of space and then it caused some sort of disruption or pain within you? Um, because nine times out of ten, rarely are people intentionally doing things to people. Um, they're just functioning in like their filter, their world, whatever. Um, and so it's really helpful to kind of get that in check and, and be like, okay, like, yes, this hurt me, but was it done to me intentionally? Probably not. Um, so unconditional love to me is like loving for the sake of loving. And one of the best ways we can practice unconditional love is to honor our boundaries. So the more that you love yourself unconditionally, so that again pl applies to this, um, I really, I wish that I had, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, especially in the past, you know, nine years, once I got really sick with the Lyme disease, I mean, so many things I wanted to be able to go to, but knew that if I went, it would be five days of recovery for me. And slowly but surely, uh, I got, you know, invited to less and less things. And I just can't take it personally, whatever, it's fine. Um, I... I don't have to prove who I am to anybody. Um, wow, I'm really like saying a lot of shit. Um, but, mm -hmm. but that that again is something, you know, this feeling that we have to prove that we love people. One of the things that happened um, over the course of time, me being disconnected from my family, um, and I can tell this this story, there was a time where I couldn't even think of any of them without having a panic attack. And then um, that got a little bit better, but I still just didn't really think about them. And the truth is, and it's not, again, it's not for lack of love. I hold great love for all of them. Um, the truth is I can have months where I kind of forget I even have these, this, you know, actual, um, what do they call that? That I can't think of what it's called. Like, not blood family, but it's your, oh, there's a word for it. Damn it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Blood relation? No, it's it's like a fancy psychology term that I can't think of right now, but it might show up. But what I started to do when I really started to learn about unconditional love and forgiveness, um, you know, unconditional love, forgiveness, boundaries, all of this stuff goes hand in hand. Um Unconditional love and forgiveness. Um, I, there was a long time where I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't even kind of touch the forgiveness thing. 
And that's like something that if people met me now, they probably wouldn't believe that. But there was so much anger and so much pain for what had transpired um, amongst my family that I was just angry and sad. And just there was a lot of just resentment and hurt. And um, and I, mean, I you can say you're you've forgiven someone, but that doesn't mean that you've processed it emotionally. Yeah, and a lot of times people, and I maybe we talked about this before, but you know, the the new age movement and you know awareness and awakening, spirituality and love, and it it can really make people like you know they can read like forgiveness is you know so important, you know, getting to that place of forgiveness you know sets you free, and then what happens is people try to jump to it, they try to skip all the things necessary to actually land in forgiveness because. It's the idea that they like, right? They they like the idea, we like the idea of uh, forgiveness, right? So if I just forgive this person, then I can move on, right? And so they'll try to just hurry themselves to forgiveness and it's not it's not authentic. Right. They're forcing it. So um, so I'll talk, remind me to, to talk about the forgiveness component then. Why are you laughing? Because I'm rambling? No, because every time you say forgiveness, all I can hear is Don Henley. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's so good. Yeah. I do like that song, actually. It is, yeah, it's good. It makes me but cry. I can't, I can't stop hearing it. It'd be interesting to see if he's talking about the same thing. I never really listened to the lyrics other than that. Even if you don't love me anymore, he says. That song and that um, I can't make you love me if you don't. That song. The, both of those songs make me cry every time. Um, that one's worse, though. Yeah. The, the If I Can't Make You Love Me. Oh. Okay. So, remind me to address forgiveness, but... Don't sing too much of it. We'll have to pay royalties. <laughs> okay. Um, does it count even if you butcher the shit out of it? <laughs> I don't know if the computer like algorithm will pick it up in your special key that you sing in. <laughs> Do I have a special key? Like special K? <laughs> Special K, that's a whole different thing, babe. Oh, I'm thinking of the cereal. I'm not like, I'm not a druggie, babe. I don't know, but that is a drug, <laughs> isn't it? Right? I think so. Yeah. It's like, it's I've like about it. bass, bass soaps or what? Bass salts. Bass salts, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Digressing. Horse, horse, horse tranquilizer, I believe. Is, is that name. what Special K is? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, so what I started to do with my family then was I, I started practicing in increments of thinking of them and not getting anxiety. And that was literally, it was just an exercise. Just for how long can I hold the thought of, of them? And it would, you know, it would, it would kind of like roam around from particular people, you know, meaning like the, there was three prominent characters, if you will, in that, that practice. And um, it got to a point where it got easier and easier and easier, just thinking of them and that's it just thinking of them and just practicing not getting anxious. And then I started to work on thinking of them and sending them love at the same time. And there was like resistance. Um, and I remember when I was doing this, because that was like right around when I first started workshops. So I would talk about it in workshops and I would tell people, <laughs> you know, if you can't get yourself to send somebody love, like, go to that like higher source, power, God, whatever you connect to and ask for, for that to be done via that way. Like, so um, I would always say, you know, like if you can't, if you can't send them love, then just be like, okay, God, can you please send this person love for me? And so you kind of create like a middleman. So if you're just not there yet and that's okay, everything is about intention. If you're, if your intention is to get to a point where you can send love to somebody that you uh, have anger with or, you know, discord or whatever, um, great, set that intention. And then, um, that became something so easy for me to do. It took time, but then once I kind of like locked in, not only was it easy for me to do, but it started to feel really great because it was actually my truth. It wasn't, you know, all the anger and hurt and pain. I mean, that actually comes from the fact that you love people. People, you're not going to be hurt by someone if you don't care. You know what I mean? So like when you realize that, when you're like, oh, like actually... 
this deep sadness and all this anxiety is because I love these people and didn't want to have to walk away from them. But it was the only alternative for the healthiest version of me. Um, and that stuff, like I said, you you can't prove. So forgiveness, that's another component that we can talk about in relation to my my family. But I think the the best part was realizing um, that you could love people and not have to prove it to them. And that was something that for me was so empowering that I could try to convince my sister of how much of my heart I put into um, empathizing with her position and compassion for what she must be going through. And it, it just, I realized it was like, well, I don't need to prove that to her because I know it. And this is something that I ended up sort of just terming um, anchoring. Like I anchored that love inside of me. I knew and know the love I have for them. So that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can tell people up, down, left, right how much you love them if they don't believe it because they want your actions to be a certain way and you're not acting the way that they want you to, it's not up to you to convince them that you you love them just because you're not you're not you know obliging to what they want. Um, so the next level for that was, and this is like one of the coolest things that's ever happened. Um, one of my fears was always, what's going to happen when someone dies? What's going to happen when someone passes away? Like my my brain would go into these really panic states and um one day it was just this beautiful moment I don't even remember where I was which is kind of rare because I usually do in these like really like um epiphany kind of moments but I was like well I don't have to prove the love I feel so if I were to have to like if someone were to pass away and I were to go I would force myself to go to the funeral essentially was my thought. Like I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to see particular people and I would be forcing myself to go. It would be out of alignment with my truth. And I realized that that the only reason I would be going would be to prove that I was mourning, to prove that I cared, to prove that I felt grief. And I was like, well, I don't have to prove that. I can grieve and mourn and love and care in my own space. And you start to realize all these things that are kind of set up to like make you feel obligated to do things. So I I made this decision this the same year this amazing thing happened. I made this decision that it's okay if I were to say if that time comes and I can't go and I it just doesn't feel right for me that I'm I'm going to grieve and mourn and honor and love in my own way. So that year that was the year that I was so, so sick. And I ended up having a dream that um, I was in a hotel room and there were two cards on a bed and they were both from my aunt. And it said Jess on both of them. And I opened one and it said, call me. And I never opened the other one. So I woke up the next morning and I was like, I better call my aunt. Like, this is clearly a message I knew. And my grandfather had died that night. And what happened was it was that year where we had that horrible Hurricane Sandy and everybody lost power. So my grandfather got sick or was really sick during that storm and they lost electricity. So they had to take him to a hotel room. And that was where his like health deteriorated. So that's why the dream was in the hotel room. And it was him leaving the card on the bed to tell me to call my aunt. So she could tell me that he had passed. And this was, it makes me cry. It was such like, um, it was such a validation of like the, the kind of collective consciousness in that somehow my grandfather knew that I had already sort of made this agreement within myself that I wasn't going to be going to any funerals. Do you know what I mean? And so this to me was this moment of him being like, it's okay. Like I get it. And so I was able to talk to my aunt, which I wouldn't have I don't know that anybody would have contacted me. Um, so it was just like this amazing moment of validation of we are all connected and the love that we hold within us 
does extend outside of us. And actually today when I was working, I, I got to I got to pull my table out and do energy work, which just doesn't happen much anymore. Um, and I was working on it and I, you know, do cranial sacral therapy and energy work and etheric surgery and all that stuff. But sometimes the most powerful moments, I just put my, I rested my arms on the table and what I was doing, this is going to sound really weird, but I was basically tapping into like the cranial rhythm of the table sort of. So I started to do energy work on the table. So the whole table would fill up with energy work and she would feel it. And I watched as her eyes started to, cause you know, they'll kind of go into the more rapid eye movement, the deeper they sink into that parasympathetic mode. And then I just sat there with my arms and then I just worked from my heart, which is one of my favorite things to do. And I, I have so many times had more powerful energy work experiences not using my hands and just moving that love right out of my heart center and just watching the body, um, you know, respond to just that, just sending that love and energy out of my heart. Um, and we, we, we don't realize it. We don't realize how powerful we are. We don't realize like, you know, that that moment for me with my grandfather was so powerful I realized that he knows I don't have to prove that you know I love him and that I grieved for the loss of everyone it was just like and there wasn't even that much grief honestly it was more like joy of the connection you know like feeling like wow like that just happened like I just got a really clear message that you could I mean I didn't even know he wasn't well so for that whole thing and the fact that like the way the way we are communicated with all of us receive messages in different ways and it's really important that we we learn how we communicate and um god I'm really given a whole lot of information in this podcast one of the things to recognize is that um when you are connecting with you know guides and angels and masters and source and god uh those energies know your energy. So if you're somebody who's, you know, much more, um, you know, maybe in a, into a, a nature kind of environment, more shamanistic, a lot of times you're probably going to get more messages in animal forms. Um, you know, everybody kind of has their own ways of receiving and the way they perceive uh, this universe. So um, I have, I definitely tend to get very distinct uh, clear messages in dream time and they have a definite feeling to them um, but they they use symbols in a way that you just know it means something so the the hotel room was a was definitely like a symbol so when the message came to me and my aunt shared with me the the sequence of events that led to my grandfather's passing that the hotel room would be the validation you know that my dream took place in a hotel room the two cards were there on the the bed um to me that kind of symbolized like my mom and my aunt because my mom and my aunt were the ones in the room with him the most um just really uh amazing things that can happen when we when we listen and trust and really open ourselves up to that that deeper within connection you ever wonder what was in the other envelope? I know what was in the other envelope because it actually showed up in the mail then. Like the the envelope that I didn't open became an actual card in the mail that was sent to me from my aunt. It was really pretty magical. Mm. <laughs> this is amazing. You And the thing is like I pay attention to everything. I mean that's just my job so it's just like necessary of me but I can't really help it either so I have that weird like um did I was it it was Jason Bourne that I told you I feel like him sometime like where he could like he can evaluate like a building yeah. and like know all the different things that are taking place around him like I kind of function like that without trying it's just who I am but the more you pay attention the the more you're going to receive so uh I do uh, work really hard to not be distracted to really you know have all my senses uh honed in because these subtleties that exist around us often hold the greatest amount of information because you know it's all energy so um the the really solid distractions are the things that keep us from that um intuitive um energetic 
sensation quality that that um kind of just tunes you in and there's this there's this like amazing thing and I read it years ago they I don't remember what book it was but it was like well it was describing signs from the universe as um like it 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 lit up and I was like oh my god that's exactly what it's like and I never knew how to explain that that there were certain things that just it does it feels like it lights up do you remember when we had that earthquake here, it was like an earthquake in Virginia. Do you remember this? And you felt it. You were working at that at the the restaurant downtown. You were doing yeah. And so I don't know if you remember this, but this was one of my favorite stories too. I everywhere I went for like three weeks, Virginia license plates were talking to me. Is what I would say. These license plates were talking to me, and I told you, and I told you probably three or four times. Then I told Ruby about three or four times. And then I called Chris and I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like I've told Doug, I told Ruby, like, but something's up with Virginia. He was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, but I just know I'm being communicated with about something in Virginia. Something's going to happen in Virginia because these license plates are talking to me. And then the earthquake happened and I just knew. And I still, and, and this might be something that I don't learn more about for another 10 years, but there was a reason why I was being told that was going to happen the same way, you know, I was told eight years before the Fukushima thing about the oceans. Right. So I didn't know I had gotten a really clear message that there was going to be um, severe damage to our oceans um, in a dream. I was told this and it was like freaking me out, but I couldn't wrap my head around like how the oceans could all be destroyed. And then fast forward that Gulf oil spill happened and then the Fukushima and I was like, holy shit, this is what I was hearing, you know, seven years ago or whatever. Um, so I also learned to trust that, that like to me, like, yes, I knew that the earthquake showed up and that was definitely connected to Virginia. But to me, the earthquake is probably symbolic of something even greater that maybe I don't have all the information to yet. Um, so, oh my God, I could just keep going, going, going. Well, let's for the sake of time, let's get to, <laughs> let's get to the question. Okay. So, um, before I do that, let's just, oh, babe, hold on. Okay. Um, so let's just recap. Um, recapping, babe. Uh, I'm like, so unconditional love, boundaries. So boundaries. Do a check-in. Listen to what, what's going on inside of you. Listen to if you're saying should. Um, and if, if your body kind of clenches up on you at the thought of doing something, or like I said, like answering the phone, like start heeding that wisdom. Start listening to that, those signals because truly the body is just an amazing indicator of what's right for you and what isn't. Um, so if you really start to listen to that and go, oh, wow, or like, you know, there are, I think I've said this in, in another podcast, when I go over on a session, I get a headache and I can start to feel the headache coming in. And that means that the energy exchange is about to be imbalanced because that means I gave more time than, um, you know, we're thinking in, in terms of energy, but money is energy, right? So um, if I'm going over with a client, my head will start to hurt. And that means that I, I'm going to start to tip into an imbalance. Um, we all have different indicators of what makes us feel good inside and what doesn't. So if you're thinking of doing something or even thinking about something, like pay attention. When I think about this thing, does it make me feel good inside or does it make me feel bad inside? Why keep following the thing that makes you feel bad inside? Follow the thing that makes you feel good inside. Um, it's just, it, it all seems so simple and in a way it is, but the, the, what makes it hard is that we're so used to following the negative. We are so, uh, you know, conditioned to listen to the, the fear. So check in, see what your body's telling you, pay attention to your thoughts, um, you know, what your real reasons are for moving. Because I like to say, you know, always move from love. So if you're moving from fear, um, it's most likely not going to benefit you, Um. Don't worry about the other people. You can't control what other people think, say, feel, or do. Take care of you and remember that you're being a teacher in that regard. You're showing other people that it's okay for them to do the same. 
unconditional love. Love for the sake of loving. Unconditional love doesn't mean you have to put up with people's shit. Unconditional love doesn't mean that you have to uh, uh, accept crap when it's it's not good for you or uh, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation for the sake of others. That is not what we're talking about. Unconditional love means you can love somebody and, and not want to be around them. Or you can love somebody and say, but hey, I don't like this. This isn't good for me. Unconditional love does not mean you're a doormat. And I think that that's a lot of what ends up happening with people. They just kind of keep subjecting themselves to things because they think that that's like what unconditional love looks like. I feel like there's going to be more to talk about that and I don't really have it right now. But um, but when I say unconditional love, loving for the sake of loving is one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself and others. Just really just sit down and just be like, okay, I'm just going to love without an agenda. I'm just going to love because it feels good to love this person. Um, you'll be amazed that, you know, when they talk about like raising your vibration, that practice right there, loving for the sake of loving, will immediately increase your psychic abilities. <laughs> Truly, it will. Because you're just vibrating in a, such a different space. It's not because you want to get something. And remind me, babe, can you make a note of that? Um, I want to talk more about that, that um, really recognizing when we, how we, we move in life and that how often are we actually operating from a manipulation standpoint, that you're actually behaving in a certain way because you want to get a certain thing from a thing outside of you. Um, that's definitely a topic I want to talk about because we do that really um, mindlessly, all of us, we do that mindlessly. Uh, we have been conditioned to operate in a very manipulative way. I use that word and I know it's like a punchy word. It definitely like, you know, gets gets under people's skin. But when you really start to pay attention to how often you are behaving a certain way because you're hoping to get an end result, then you know you're out of alignment you know, move from the the place of love and then you're going to be in alignment and you can only then attract love towards you. Um, am I recapping everything? That sounded pretty good. Okay. All right. Okay, so we sort of ran out of time before we could read the questions. What do you want to do? <laughs> Why don't you read the question? Okay. <laughs> now we'll do it for the next. Podcast. <laughs> we right. can do it for the next podcast. Am I allowed I... to say who it is? <laughs> sure. Just the the name and the last initial, or just no last name? initial. You can okay. just say the first name. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a question from Kelly, and so we're gonna <clears throat> basically read just read this and talk about it then. On the yeah, because podcast, I totally so blew it and yeah, rambled she, for an she hour. She talked for a long time, which never happens. Uh, okay, so this is from Kelly. She says, so I have a question for the podcast. Growing up in a UCC church with Jesus as the main focus, he never really spoke to me. The teachings of the Bhagavad Gita speak more to me than the Bible. I'm wondering why other masters appear to me like Kutumi or even Swami Dayananda. But for some reason, Jesus appears... Oh, it just froze. You lost it. This is literally <laughs> the last sentence. For some reason, Jesus <laughs> appears and... Jesus disappears. <laughs> Jesus disappears. Je but, but, but the last sentence is, but for some reason, Jesus appears and, is, and it's life transforming. Oh, but for some, Jesus appears and it's life transforming. Yes. And she also says that she loves listening to your stories. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Um, yeah, so I think it's a great question. Um, I don't think that I'm necessarily fully equipped to answer it as I haven't studied a lot of religions but in the next podcast um, we can talk about my um, sort of my awakening and how certain beings appeared to me and what I take from those experiences and and we can just kind of have some deep philosophical conversations about religion and spirituality and anything else that you think of babe and we'll talk no that's about great but I would just like to reiterate that for listeners out there if you know, this is kind of how you can interact with us and have some of your issues discussed and answered by you. And, and you know, it's a really cool way for us to, to be a little bit of a community and engage with each other. So Yeah, feel, we feel love it. Yeah, feel free to do that. Once again, you can check us out on the Facebook page, The Misfit Lightworker Podcast, and on Instagram at... The Misfit Lightworker? At The Misfit Lightworker. 
And we will address Kelly's question in the next podcast. Yes, episode five. Sorry for leaving you hanging. I didn't address basically anything. In the beginning, I said I was going to, in the beginning of the podcast, I was like, oh, I'm going to name a few things that I want to talk about. And then you can decide what you what you think. And none of that happened. It's good. So none of what we set out to do occurred. So okay. thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.